Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Of course, you may be seated. It's not your fault. My microphone doesn't always want to stay clipped to my belt. Just don't want to ruin something so nice. So the whole entire Christian life that we have seen and given God thanks for in many of the saints, especially those who have passed this last year fresh in our mind, we know none of their lives were lived apart from the body. Sounds maybe a little silly to say that, but I don't think we often recognize it enough. That our Lord actually is the creator of our body as he is the creator of our soul. As Revelation teaches us, as you saw, that there is yet to be a body restored to those who have died in the Lord. They were standing before the throne. They had in their hands palm branches, and with their voices they were praising God. Truly, a yet more glorious day does await us. A day when we will be free from a temporal life here on earth and restored an immortal life with God our Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. So I say this today because it came to me as a rather important issue in the life of our church, in the life of our world. Because no matter what may happen to our bodies here on earth, no matter how bruised up they may be, no matter how disabled they may become, still God has created them for perfection with him in eternity, in the life to come. That is, the deaf will hear, the mute will speak, The lame will walk, and all who have died in the Lord will be raised to immortality in the body, in a body like Christ's own, to live an everlasting life with him. Consider the pattern of life. Take just a moment of your time to think about how life comes to be. God brings children into this world by knitting us together in the womb of our mothers, joining two distinctly different people into one flesh, a great image of the one flesh union. He joins two beings together in a way that can really only be described as a beautiful miracle, not even scientists fully understand it. This new life isn't just a body of flesh, a clump of cells, but it is a body and a soul together until death. Even in the womb, these children hear the voices of their mother and their father and all those gathered around them. They receive the love and attention even though they cannot be held in their hands. They even are the subject of the petitions that we sing and praise and pray to our God. And these little children in their wombs, in the wombs of their mothers, are able to respond. They kick and they flip 
And they do all sorts of ruffling, even at times giving their mothers sickness and trouble. It's a true miracle of life that isn't merely bones covered with flesh, but it is a spirit embodied in the flesh, given breath of life from their creator. For a majority of people, they greatly enjoy this life in the body. And for those who are called into the church, who are given new life in Christ, they use that body which the Lord has given them to serve him, to care, to teach, to love, to show charity and compassion to their neighbors, and most of all, to be at the feet of their Lord and Savior. But we know, too, that the curse of sin is death, death of the body. And what does that mean? It means that some children knit together in the womb of their parents never saw the first breath outside that warm and blessed home. It means that every one of us enters this world with a less than perfect body, a body that is not immortal. It means that some people's ailments are going to be seen more than others. I suppose it's only that when people's bodies begin to exhibit those or grow in those pains and aches, weaknesses and illnesses, do they finally no longer wish to live in the body and be with their bodies any longer. St. Paul captures this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, For in this tent, referring to the body, We groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Without our bodies... We are naked spirits. But God did not create Adam and Eve to be without flesh. He made their flesh first, and then he breathed into them the breath of life. He made them to be different from the angels by giving them that very flesh and blood, a spirit and a body joined together. And he made them different from the animals in that their image was not of anything other than the image of the invisible God. And they were created to share an eternity with him. They were special. They were the pinnacle of God's creation. Once man and woman were made male and female, he created them. Then it is that the Lord said it was very good. And look and see how God has truly blessed creation even further. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, assumed into his divinity the very flesh of man so that he could also then redeem it. What greater gift has mankind seen than that God has taken on human flesh to redeem it? The angels do not have such an honor. The animals do not have such an honor. No thing that creeps upon the earth or flies in the air or swims in the ocean has the honor that their God has taken on their flesh. He assumed our humanity 
so that he might redeem it by his own perfect fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And thus, what was made mortal because of sin was then swallowed up by his perfect life and the forgiveness which flows from the cross. And now, given to each of us in absolution, in baptism, and in the body and the blood. If you look at those names of those who have died this past year, they had a life in the body, lived in the church. They took comfort hearing that their sins were forgiven. They loved their baptisms. They lived in the Spirit, and they desired to be fed with the body and blood of their Savior, Jesus Christ. Our true and immortal life in the body as Christians begins in the baptismal waters, which wash us clean from the impurity of our sin, and our bodies are renewed. They're made into be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, he who is given to us, is also our guarantee that what has been forgiven will also then be made new, be purified and made whole. It is there in baptism that God makes to you an everlasting promise, that he will be with you forever, that he will not leave you or forsake you, that he will not turn away from you in your hour of deepest need, that he will truly deliver you from all evil and give to you a most blessed end in this life. The faith which he creates in us there in the rebirth by water and the Spirit, he then constantly nourishes through the Word and through the Holy Supper in order to protect us so that we do not turn away from God because of present fears or worries. I was often with many of these during their final hours here on earth, given to see how the Lord had sustained them in the faith, given to see the strength and the power of his word and the comfort that it delivers to us when it seems like there is nothing else left to do. God enters in to still the soul, and because the soul is comforted by God's word, the body also finds its peace. When we draw near to the close of our time in this life, the truth is we often become discouraged because of our ailing and fragile flesh. But it doesn't just happen to us in old age, because sometimes the young are discouraged when they are hit with horrible news or things which they had never thought would happen which have shattered their dreams. So no one in this life truly knows the day or the hour when their whole life could change because of the curse of sin. For from the moment of conception till the appointed time for our death, we are living in an age which we know will come to an end. But there is something that is sure and certain, that these bodies which we now inhabit will not always be the same that God has, in fact, given us a glimpse into what awaits us so that we would not be discouraged or made hopeless just because of the way our bodies feel. God has given us a glimpse into what awaits you and I so that we would be filled with hope 
and eager anticipation. Because truly, as we hear from St. Paul, our desire isn't to be away from the body. St. John in Revelation makes that clear, that we desire to fulfill what he has shown us, the glimpse into the future that we shall be before the throne of God and waving the victorious palm branches and singing with the angels and with all the company of heaven. Not to be away from the body. Not to be a naked soul, for God did not create us to be like that. Nor did our Lord and Savior rise from the dead as a spirit without a body. He rose again from the dead with flesh and blood, a glorified body. He showed himself to the disciples who touched him and ate with him. And when they saw him ascend, it was in the body. Our flesh sits at the right hand of God, redeemed in Jesus Christ. And so shall we. Redeemed in Christ, we shall be body and soul forever with God in eternity. And so we await that day when God will call our bodies forth from the grave. When he shall take us who are still living and transform us in a blink of an eye. So having now heard those words, having now considered the pattern of life, that you are not just a body, but a body and a soul, I want you to once again consider those words which you have so often heard at the funerals of our loved ones. Those words from St. Paul. Hear them now, I hope, with greater understanding and appreciation for what he has said. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound... And the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So then let us rejoice together this night. For the work that we do in the Lord with the Spirit of the Lord working in and through us will not be in vain when we come to the last day, when we hear the trumpet sound and we are made in the body to be imperishable, to live in the body forever and ever, praising our Lord in his mighty works. Be comforted now and at the moment of your death for the Lord will raise you up again. In Jesus' name.
Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.